This is Talking Business. Well, I'm joined now by Kylie Porter, who's the Executive Director of the UN Global Compact Network Australia. Hi, Kylie. Hi, Alan. Uh, now, um, uh, you're the Australian end of the UN Global Compact. Is that a part of the United Nations? Yes, it is a part of the United Nations. It's not under the same guise as, for example, the UN Development Program or UNESCO, but it's endorsed by a special resolution of the UN and then also by the G20. Right. Does the UN fund it? Yes, sort of. <laughs> so sort of. the um, UN Secretary General is the chair of the board for the UN Global Compact, and then there is a um, joint deputy chair position. And so there is some funding that comes in from the UN at the global level, but a lot of the funding is derived from the participants of the UN Global Compact, so those businesses and non-businesses. And so then they it, part of, pay a subscription they uh, pay something. they pay a participation fee. Um, so globally, businesses pay a subscription fee, um, including certain tiers of um, SMEs, and then non-businesses can choose how they engage with the UN Global Compact, and that predicates whether or not they have a fee. And and why do why do businesses join? For starters, we provide the foundation of developing a sustainable business. So the UN Global Compact has fundamentally 10 principles that underline how we interact and talk to businesses. Those principles are broadly based around human rights, labour rights, environment and anti-corruption. And so they provide a framework for which businesses can develop their sustainable development priorities, but also how they can integrate sustainability into their strategy and their operations. So a sort of a guidance for companies yeah, absolutely. On those Is that right? Absolutely. It's a it's a guidance for companies. So for those companies who are starting out on their path to sustainable business, it absolutely provides that guidance. For those who are a little bit more developed um, in their thinking and how they apply those practices, we also do a lot of in-depth capacity building on some of the more challenging topics. And what's the difference between your thing and B Corps, B Corporations? So, yep. We actually work alongside B Corp quite often. So slightly different in that B Corps is really embedded into, somewhat embedded into the company's constitution and everything they do has purpose. We probably provide a lot of the tools in which enable them to remain B Corp. So globally, we actually do a lot with um, B Lab. Um, at the moment, we're actually beta testing a um, SDG framework, a sustainable development goals framework with them. So I'd say that we are um, very complementary of each other's services. I got the sense, I don't know if this is right or not, so tell, correct me if I'm wrong, I got the sense looking at the global website and the Australian website that they're more interested in environmental and sustainability sustainability issues. In Australia, it's more of a, a corporate behaviour uh, thing. And I wonder if that's partly due to the fact that we're just coming out of the Royal Commission on uh, banking. Um, it's, it's a bit of a challenge one. So the UN Global Compact out of New York, they would look at things at a macro level. So what are the macro levers that they need to pull to make the world more sustainable? At the moment, climate change is clearly the number one issue globally and getting companies to start thinking about how they can limit global warming to 1.5. So you'll see a lot of that push coming out of New York and it has become a lot more environment-focused 
potentially, or possibly, sorry, over the last two years. That's also been pushed by a mandate from the UN Secretary General to really focus on climate change as we lead up to some of the conference of parties where we're renegotiating um, the targets that countries are going to set. Here in Australia, um, we've absolutely been more focused on company behaviours and what levers we need to pull within corporate culture to assist with achieving responsible business practices. Now, we were doing that pre the Royal Commission, um, but absolutely have ramped that up since the Royal Commission and since the changes to the ASX governance guidelines and the APRA inquiry into CBA and really identifying that intrinsic link between tone for the t- from the top culture and then how that filters out into environmental and social governance. Right. Well, you say we, but you were actually engaged in the Royal Commission, weren't you? I was. With, uh, for NAB. You were um, uh, working for NAB on the Royal Commission. Yes, I was. So I worked um, for NAB originally as a stakeholder engagement manager on environmental and social governance issues. So engaging very strongly with not-for-profits, activist organisations and consumer advocates. And then potentially for my sins, I was asked to join the Royal Commission team to really help with that dialogue between NAB and the consumer advocates. So I spent nine months on their corporate affairs team for the Royal Commission uh, before starting in, in this role. I mean, I don't want to talk too much about that, but but um, it is worth mentioning that they are distinguished by the fact that they lost both the CEO and the chairman. Yes. For the second time. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and you were working for them between, between. both events. Yeah. Right. So, um, and the assumption may be that they didn't actually clean up their act uh, after the first time. I think, look, for me, the Royal Commission, it's probably a once in a lifetime career opportunity to work in a Royal Commission. The thing that I found most challenging about the Royal Commission was not so much the misconduct that was happening. I can I can absolutely see how human behaviour when you get to work with money can lead to some of the issues that came about or that were identified through the Royal Commission. But what the challenge for me was to really digest were those, those cultural tone from the top issues and the pervasiveness of some of those. So, you know, I knew Andrew Thelburn, you know, I'd met him quite a few times during my career, you know, um, and during the start of the Royal Commission. Um, and I think none of us really expected it to end that way, even working in the Royal Commission. I don't think that I expected Andrew Thorburn to to end up leaving the organisation. Ken Henry was an absolute surprise, and I, I do honestly think that it was unfortunate what ended up happening through his testimony in the Royal Commission. That's what did him in. It was, I think, um, which was a shame because he's always been a really strong advocate of environmental and social governance practices. And absolutely during my time at NAB, he was a very strong supporter of a lot of the work that the um, corporate social responsibility team did in this space. But, you know, you're right. It, it It's led to both of them leaving and, you know, there's now going to be an incoming CEO who will start sometime next year and it'll be interesting to see what sort of eventuates at NAB but also what eventuates at the other banks now that we're almost a year down the track since Commissioner Haynes' findings. Um, so how did that experience or how how has that experience um, informed your work now with the UN Global Compact? It's informed it from the sense of 
us really defining the work that we do on the cultural angle and getting people to recognise how intrinsically linked things like human rights due diligence, action on climate, um, bribery and corruption are all actually quite tightly linked to the culture of an organisation and how things can actually unfold if you don't have strong practices in those spaces. I think it's also it's also made me realise the extent to which corporates can have both a huge negative but a very big positive influence on what happens globally and how that tone from the top, to use it again, really can help to drive change. Um, I like to use Paul Polman, who was the former CEO of Unilever, as a really good example of that. You know, he led one of the world's largest companies, but he always stood up and was very, very vocal about things that he felt ethically and morally CEOs should stand up for. And these were some of those really intractable issues like climate change, like plastic waste and things that were directly linked to his business. And so I think the Royal Commission and my learnings from how things unfolded there was really about the need to have those leaders, not just at the very top executive level, but also at the individual um, business unit level to make sure that you've got someone who is actually sense checking and asking, you know, that might look like the right thing to do, but is it the right thing to do long term? And is it the right thing to do for our customers and but our what are the, employees? But what are the practical, the actual things that you're doing at the UN Global yep. Compact to yep. to drive that sort of message? What are you actually doing? What do we do? So we do numerous things um, depending on the the topic. So a good example of what we do is we one example in the human rights space would be that we run an annual dialogue on business and human rights where we get together civil society, investor groups, some um, activist organisations, but also business, and we get them together in the room to discuss some of the really challenging issues facing them from a human rights perspective and what are the tools that they can put in place to help manage those human rights risks. And then we check in on our, our members, see how they're going, speak to them about any issues that they, they might be having where we might be able to send them on the right path to solving those. Next year, um, we'll be running a investment forum on the sustainable development goals with the principles for responsible investment. And that will really be around talking to not just investors, but also companies about how they can actually invest into the sustainable development goals and capture the trillions of dollars worth of opportunities that those investment, those sustainable development goals provide. And that might be through corporate finance mechanisms. um, It might be through investments into bonds and um, or through foreign direct investment. So they're, they're some of the more practical conversations and then we provide companies with tools to actually go about achieving that as well. We got the impression, I think, during the Royal Commission that Australia is, you know, is in a terrible place, you know, corporate behaviour-wise. When you go to big meetings at the UN Global Compact in New York, do you have to sit at the back of the class? Um, <laughs> Uh, not always. No, no, not always. Um, I think those um, those corporate culture issues are not just defined to Australia. And I think if anything, the other local networks globally probably look to us to understand how we're, how we're getting through those issues. You know, the, the Global Compact has over 60 local networks. And as you can imagine, some of those local networks are in countries with 
far more difficult issues than what we have. You know, they're companies with very high corruption perception index. They're they're countries that are grappling with extreme poverty and countries that also have issues with corporates taking advantage of that. So we're probably not put in the back of the classroom. We're probably used as a a Q&A test case. Um, You're brought up to the front as, a, as an example, yeah, are you? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes, <laughs> oh. sometimes we are, which, which can prove, you know, challenging <laughs> at, at times. But I think that's what the Royal Commission has also shown us. You know, it's not just applicable to the banks. A lot of the things that Hayne talked about in that final report are actually takeouts for every single sector, mm. and not just in Australia, but globally. Well, it's been great talking to you, Kylie. Thanks a lot for coming in. Thanks, Alan. I've been talking to Kylie Porter, who's Executive Director of the UN Global Compact Network Australia.